Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. That was Bob Marley in 1962 singing his first single, uh, Judge Not. I feel like it's very fitting with uh, us continuing in the Gospel of Luke this week with the Sermon on the Plain. It is the seventh Sunday after uh, Epiphany, and it is the week of February 20th, 2022. Um, and we are continuing in the Sermon on the Level Place. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not even withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, will be put into your lap. The measure you give will be the measure you get back. The word of the Lord. All right. Uh, there's so many. There's so many things to cover. Uh, look forward to, of course, our conversation on Sunday. Uh, I want to begin with uh, a quote that I came across this week um, from a, a book by a pastor named Melissa Floor Bixler. Uh, she writes in her book, uh, "How to Have an Enemy." And it's kind of a long quote, um, but I I feel like this is a, a good place to start. It's one thing to love enemies when they know they hold no terror over us, when they are no more than a threat to our beliefs or ideologies. It is another thing to bless and not curse those whose intent is to cause destruction. What could Jesus mean by directing these words to the poorest and the most vulnerable of the ancient world? Jesus comes to a people, a blessed people, a beatified people, and he turns and asks those who who follow him, those who are the embodiment of God's reign, to remove themselves from the hierarchies of power and the systems of destruction, and instead make themselves the embodiment of God's reign. It is only in this new ordering of creation that the distinction between friend and enemy will collapse. This otherworldly vision touches down in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What happens when those crushed by poverty and dispossession, discover that both they and their oppressors are manifestations of dehumanization. It is a work of the gospel to uncover the source of our enmity, to stand fully before it, to confront it, and to be transformed. It is the work of liberation to create the conditions of a world where enemies are freed from enacting harm and victims are freed from receiving it. It is easier to reduce Jesus's teachings on enemy love to an ethical injunction, a set of rules we can parcel out to shift our behavior, 
Instead, Jesus calls us publicly imagined possibilities of transformation that break open a renewed order. Only then can love, <clears throat> only then can we love our enemy as we proclaim that the terror no longer has power over us. And I think that's a great place for us to start as we continue our conversation in the season of Epiphany, as we're looking at the trajectory of Jesus's ministry. And last week we talked about how Jesus is flipping the conventional wisdom um, of, of the time with a different vision uh, of reality. And I want to talk about this uh, with, through this line of uncovering the source of our enmity. Uh, Richard Rohr writes that forgiveness demands three new seeings. I must see God in the other. I must access God in myself, and I must experience God in a new way that is larger than enforcer. And I think that gets at to what we were talking about last week, that what Jesus is doing in, in many ways is just dismantling latent, uh, harmful uh, theological understandings. And we talked about last week on Sunday how we have those just embedded in our uh, culture. We have certain theological understandings embedded in our psyche. And last week we talked about it through the lens of uh, being blessed and how we have uh, unconscious assumptions about what blessing means, who is blessed and who is not blessed, and how Jesus is creating an alternative community by uh, living according to uh, the kingdom of God, which values uh, those on the bottom and liberates from within. And the conditions of uh, liberation are, are really important because liberation on on behalf of hatred of our enemies is uh, the way of empire. And I think that's part of what he's getting out here, not the kind of reality that uh, the community of Christ uh, who is called to, to liberate with love. Uh, and Jesus is, is brilliant in his ability to communicate that in forgiveness, we, we have to liberate our, both ourselves and our enemies uh, because we do not have to be bound to the, to the wounds of what someone has done to us. Uh, Roar goes on to write, without forgiveness, we remain frozen in a small pass. And I think we've all known someone who has been stuck in a kind of small past. Maybe we have been stuck in a small past of anger or uh, resentment. It's like being stuck uh, on a loop to have to play the same uh, tape over and over again. And uh, we have this certain kind of narrative that we repeat in our minds. Uh, and here Jesus instead is uh, teaching his community that that forgiveness, love and forgiveness bring freedom and dignity uh, for yourself, which then can move them into particular actions. So we're, we're no longer uh, trapped living in a small past. And this alternative community that Jesus is creating embodies this kind of liberating love, which inevitably requires collective action that, that counters domination systems, but it comes from within, and it comes from uh, uncovering this uh, source of enmity. And forgiveness in this way means that it's not just goodwill towards the oppressor or that we forget the wrongs uh, of others by just moving on. 
but Jesus is teaching that forgiveness encompasses a very clear vision of how uh, love moves everyone towards justice and healing. St. Ambrose is credited with saying that no one can heal themselves by wounding another. So having an enemy and learning how to engage difficult circumstances with forgiveness, uh, it's, it's never prescriptive. Uh, we remember that, um, like we talked about last week on Sunday, that grace is not permissiveness. Grace is uh, a kind of acceptance that's generative for both justice and and mercy. And I think of uh, the line when Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That there's, in this statement, there's a recognition that compassion and justice are, are linked. They're both needed, but that justice is, in the way that Jesus is talking about it, is not uh, retribution, uh, but it's restoration. Uh, meaning that as the community of Christ, the followers of Jesus, uh, work, working for justice in the world emerges from spaces of compassion and, and mercy. And like we talked about last week at the beginning of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus is not teaching all things are permissible and unchangeable. This is not his approach to reality because this, like we said last week, is, has been used to perpetuate cycles of abuse and oppression it's been used for uh, the opposite of what Jesus's uh, message of liberating love was intending to do, which is spoken to to the poor and to the lowly. Uh, James Cone was really, uh, in, the, in the time of, of writing in the 1970s, he was really skeptical of uh, how, how white people would question how black liberation would be achieved. And he made a point to say that, that white people were only concerned about violence when it might be directed at them. And so this is how, um, pointing out how this kind of message has been uh, used to perpetuate uh, injustice and oppression. And this is something that we have to be aware of. And the way of, of, of loving an enemy, to use that phrase, is is something like actively creating works of engagement to dismantle the mechanisms of, of hierarchy, power, oppression, and uh, the root of sin, uncovering the source of, of enmity. And I think this maybe is why um, Jesus demands so much of his followers. It requires um, departing from the way of empire into a new reality, uh, a different kind of kingdom. And we mentioned last week how Jesus is honest about the conditions of reality and injustice. And with that, this too is forgiven. So once we recognize and forgive that our reality is not as it should be, we are freer to live from a space of forgiveness with broken hearts um, full of love. Jesus, um, following Jesus is embracing a different kind of way of being in the world does not it does not mirror the violence, greed, and vengeance of conventional thinking. And we've talked about third-way thinking at Mission Hills many times before, which is a term that was coined by a guy named Walter Wink in the 20th century. And um, how the turning the other cheek and um, going the extra mile and giving someone your coat uh, these are examples of disarming someone attempting 
to dishonor someone of lower status. So if you hit somebody on the cheek and you turned your other cheek, they would have to hit you as an equal. And if you gave someone uh, your shirt after they took your coat, uh, you would bring dishonor them by showing your body. If uh, you went the extra mile, you would actually dishonor them because it would be uh, illegal for them to to walk an extra mile. And Walter Wink, he, he writes this, Jesus did not advocate nonviolence merely as a technique for outwitting the enemy, but as a just means of opposing the enemy in such a way as to hold them, to hold open the, the possibility of the enemies becoming just as well. Both sides must win. We are summoned to pray for our enemies' transformation and to respond to ill treatment with a love that not only is godly, but also can be found only in God. And I like this idea that he gets at here, this source of our love found in God. And I want to use that to, to just briefly talk about this ending. Uh, and we can talk about it more on Sunday, but I'm curious to hear, hear what you think about this end bit with Jesus talking about uh, rewards. And even though I've said that uh, forgiveness is not prescriptive, and that's not what Jesus is teaching here, what Jesus uh, says at the end of this text sounds pretty prescriptive. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Do not judge and you won't be judged. The measure you give will be given back. And um, this this statement actually kind of reminds me of a quote from the Buddha where um, he's credited with saying, uh, you will not be punished for your hate, but you will be punished by your hate. And I think it's helpful, maybe it's helpful, uh, to see that Jesus is... Um, talking about how things flow downward in the kingdom of God, um, seeking the lowest point. Jesus is not speaking to um, the rich and the powerful. Uh, Jesus is is speaking to those who are suffering, the down and out, the forgotten, uh, and saying, you are honored, you are valued, you are loved, and you are set free to forgive and to be generous here and now. Again, like he said two chapters early, the year of Jubilee is at hand. The prisoner is being set free. Um, Jesus is being descriptive, not prescriptive. There's a recognition that life is precious and beautiful and complicated. It's full of oppression and injustice. But the, re- the reward is already being given because Grace cannot be won, achieved, cannot be earned in society. The last will be first. Generosity moves everyone towards healing and restorative justice. Blessed are the poor. uh, Blessed are the failures. Blessed are the burnt out. Blessed are the overwhelmed. Blessed are those who suffer violence. Blessed are you and me and all of our enemies. And it is this grace that generates liberating love for all. All right, well, I think that might be a good place to wrap it up. I look forward to our conversation on Sunday at 10 a.m. We'll be meeting in person. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, 
and live life to the fullest. Be well.